a proof of concept don't go to people or investors asking them to fund your proof of concept find money and fund your own proof of concept because this proof of concept in itself is case for funding you know what i mean i'm Welcome friends to the Entrepreneur Speaks. I'm your host Kofi Anyumedu. Each week I host an amazing entrepreneur on their journey, successes and challenges. It is my hope that we will learn from their experiences as we all work towards living a life of passion and purpose. My guest Nick Paco Sylvester is a trained public relations practitioner and journalist who's lived most of his career years as a global serial entrepreneur. He is currently pursuing a bachelor's in law at the Open University in the UK. He has pursued business endeavors in several industries, such as in IT, advertising, TV and production, agriculture and fashion. And in economies such as Ghana, Nigeria, USA, UK and now South Africa. Currently, he runs a business in the fashion industry that is pioneering the African print clothing and textile space in South Africa. His company, Ankara Textiles Limited, is the leader in the market with a head office in Pretoria and retail spaces in East London, Nelsport, Deban, and Cape Town. Ankara's flagship store in Santon is the first of its kind in Africa's most expensive retail square mile. Ankara is also no, well noted for its huge online presence, grossing the highest in African print fashion sales through its website and online platform. Ni runs a program called Africapreneurship, where he partners with other accomplished entrepreneurs to monitor the next generation of African entrepreneurs. In this conversation with me, we'll get to know about his entrepreneurial journey from Ghana to South Africa. We'll also get to know a lot more about his Africapreneurship program, among others. Ni, you're most welcome to The Entrepreneur Speaks. Uh, thank you, Kofi. Uh, um, thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure. So let's start off with Nick Paco Sylvester. Have you always desired to be an entrepreneur? Um, well, yeah, I, well, thing is, um, growing up, I've always been a very, um, experimental type person. Um, my, my, my dad offered us, um, the opportunity to, um, partake in his business activities, you know, so that in itself built a foundation or it built a basis, you know, um, for me to clearly understand what I, um, I want to accomplish in life. Now let's come back to Ghana. Um, I believe you started a number of ventures and enterprises in Ghana. Can we take them and see what the experiences really were? Well, well, Ghana is um, my my views personally are Ghana is a very um, Ghana and West Africa as a whole presents a very um, it's a very tough business dynamic. You know what I mean? It requires a lot of resilience it requires a lot of persistence you know and and most importantly a lot of lobbying you know to be mm -hmm. able to build a successful enterprise i mean there's obviously very limited access to funding 
um, you know, but the opportunities are also vast, um, more particularly also because you can basically just um, embark on um, an idea migration, maybe from Europe or from America, you know, see um, things that are working in Europe or working in America and just basically just import those ideas into the Ghanaian environment. So in terms of being um, what to do, that's not much of a difficulty. You know, the much the, the bigger difficulty is being able to port it to the West African society and deal with the bigger issues also of funding and operations. And I believe Ghana as a country, with my experience, I've traveled um, quite a number of countries. And with my experience, I can say that Ghana has one of the best human resources you can find in the world. You know, so people, employees to help run the business. That's not much of a problem when it comes to Ghana as a country or West Africa as a as a continent. There are people who understand the values of hard work, you know, people that have gone through Ghana's educational system is a very, a very, very strong educational system, you know, that builds people mentally. So you you can literally have um, and I'm not trying to make a comparison, but just to state facts, you can have someone who's a high school lever you know, um, well, in Ghana, they call it a GSS lever or no SS because SS is a senior high school. So you can have someone who's a, yeah. either a junior high school or a senior high school lever in Ghana, you know, and they are really comparable to someone who's like a university graduate in, in another part of the world, you know, because the education really toughens you and it broadens your mind, um, you know, to the concepts of, of, of this world. So Ghana, I mean, yes, has been a great environment to operate business, you know, but the, it, it has a limiting capacity, you know, because for businesses to scale, you require funding. You know, um, Ghana has a very limited um, credit system, even if a non-existent credit system for that matter. Um, all the borrowing that is done in Ghana is mainly asset-based borrowing. You know, whereas um, in the West and in South Africa, we do a lot of credit-based borrowing. So someone or the bank decides to give you money based on your credibility as an individual, you know, and, and, and that's, a, that's a great thing, you know, but the banks and the financial institutions in Ghana fund you based on your assets. So now you have a brilliant idea. Where's the opportunity to get the asset in itself, you know, to be able to even get the bank's trustworthiness to fund whatever it is that you want to do. So the the, the socioeconomic dynamics are, are quite different, you know, and it makes it tough. It makes it really tough to be able to succeed or to be able to thrive in Ghana. And I, I always take my hats off for people that have, you know, really, really been able to thrive to the top solely in Ghana without any um, sure. external or foreign or foreign factors. Very interesting. We will come back to this subject matter again, but I still want us to look at Ghana again, especially in the areas where you handled. What were some of the things you got involved in before moving out to South Africa? Well, in, in Ghana, um, some of the industries that I've operated in, um, certainly agriculture, um, I've also operated in, um, in, 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 in mainly media, you know, um, so in media, um, I've, I've, I've done the span all the way from advertising to television, you know, um, to, 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 to um, yeah, um, to journalism, 
you know so um and and it's been quite interesting you know it's, it's been quite interesting um a lot of my enterprises have been um funded from within you know so what it means is that we start like your typical um startup that starts from the garage or starts from the bedroom mm -hmm. you know and, yeah. and gradually migrates itself to the top you know and and yeah and sometimes you you sometimes get into financial trouble which which sometimes as a result of undercapitalization so yes. Uh, yes and so your capital runs thin and then you literally have to um, fold the company you know also it, um, some of the challenges would be that um, suppliers are very late to pay you know and, and this is an attitude that I, I personally wish will change you know in in Ghana where um, small companies offer or individuals offer com um, services to big businesses and these bignesses, big businesses take sometimes 60 days to pay the invoice you know I mean where is the company supposed to get the operational capital to be able to continuously run you know and some sometimes the sad thing also about it is some of these projects you do for these big companies are zero pre-financed you know because they also have experiences of individuals taking their money and running away with the money so they are not willing to finance you know to pre-finance you know so it's, yes. it's it's a really hard and tough dynamic you know but like i said ghana yet again in terms of being able to build a good quality product it's quite easy you know because the biggest asset of any company your biggest asset a lot of people think that the biggest um the most important thing in starting a business is finance but interestingly, very far away from that, you know, the, the most important thing in starting a business is people. So you being obviously the principal human resource and you need to be able to gather like-minded people around you or people that understand the vision and the drive, you know, that are ready to bring their intellectual resources on board, you know, um, obviously for some sort of comp financial compensation you know, to be able to drive your idea forward or drive the business um, forward, essentially. And in Ghana, with my own experience, I can tell you that that's very easy to find. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there who who understand the concept of good ideas and are always willing, you know, to come on board even even more better for remuneration. OK, um... And listeners, Ni is a very good friend of mine. So some of the questions I'll ask will be because I know him and know what he was doing here in Ghana. Yeah. Um, Ni, I know you were doing very well in Ghana. At which stage of your journey did you decide to relocate? And in making that decision, was the choice South Africa? Well, you see, my um, here's the thing, um, Kofi. I'm, I've, 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 like I said, I've, I've traveled. Um, probably to all the continents, you know, of, of, of this world, you know, well, with the exception of Australia, but I've traveled to all the continents of this world. And um, personally, I believe in the concept of Africa, Africa as a brand, you know, I, I, I want my identity to, to be tied with Africa as a brand, you know, and I have personally had a lot of hope in Ghana as a country, you know, because my mother comes from Ghana. You know, so I've had a lot of hope in Ghana as a country, you see. But uh, I mean, here's the thing for me, it's about and everybody is really fighting for 
um, what sort of environment can springboard them further in life, you know, or in accomplishing their life goals much further. And, 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 and I don't mean to say this in a bad way, but it's the truth. Ghana presents a lot of challenges, you know, a lot of challenges in relation to the environment, the environmental factors more particularly, you know. So um, I have known that I always wanted to be an African entrepreneur because I did try some entrepreneurial endeavors in, in the UK. And um, they, 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 I just felt that this is not the environment for me. You know, and with Ghana more particularly, I, I, I really believed in Ghana. I pushed, did all that I had to do, run the businesses that I have to run, you know, but you always keep hitting bottlenecks, you know, and you always also have that financial constraint. And you also have um, some of the societal elements of corruption, bribery, you know, because sometimes to even get a job, you have to bribe people, you know or you have to push money under the table to get a job, which for me does not really sit very well in terms of my ethics, you know? So yes. yes. And then um, there's also a cap. I mean, the type of money you'll be talking about in Ghana, that um, which is literally your entire business turnover, you know, that is literally in America, someone who's working, it's their salary. You know what I mean? So the, 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 yes. the, even, yes, the exchange, currency exchanges and all of that. So I knew for certain that, and I have always, I've always said my, I've always said something and, and if you find this very interesting, I've always said that um, I've never called myself a CEO until very recently, you know, because I find the word CEO very, very intimidating. You know, I mean, those are three, <laughs> three, three powerful words in there. Wait. <laughs> you're a chief, you're an executive, you're an officer, all combined. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I tell people that you cannot start a company in your bedroom or in the garage and you're calling yourself a CEO, you know, because it's a very ego, egoist, e egoistic, egocentric type terminology. You know, and I feel like anybody that calls themselves CEO should have ended it, you know, should have ended that status of being CEO. So I put myself on a mark where I said, if you have you haven't earned your company is not a million dollar company, which means that you need to pass the one million dollar mark, you know, then you have you have gained the status and title of CEO. You have ended it by the virtue of your earnings or your financial record or leading the company into profit, you know. So I knew that Ghana presented a much bigger challenge because if you looked at the look at the city to the dollar ratio, you know you can easily be a city millionaire, but to be a dollar millionaire, it's a, it's a different discussion altogether. You know exactly, exactly. So I mean, for me, I did my research. I've never been to South Africa prior to coming to South Africa in um, in in two thousand and six. So I, I did my research, and I knew that South Africa is a, is a divide. It's still in Africa but it's a divide between the west and africa you know what i mean i mean it's got the yes. it's got the infrastructure it's got the systems and 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 oh boy like i thought i knew south africa based on what i had seen on tv you know or i'd seen on the news but you get to south africa and for me it's really no different from being in london or being in maybe America is a bit far too stretched, but some cities in America, you know what I mean? You know, South Africa yes. has literally got everything that you need. And and the way their socioeconomic systems work from transportation, 
from from credit banking you know it's literally like the west you know so i knew yes. that south africa was was really the place to and all the big companies all the multinational companies from alexander forbes ernest and young kpmg you know um the, the big fashion brands like everything is over here you know so i knew that to be able to build myself as an african entrepreneur I could certainly not do so without getting the South African experience. You know, so for me, it was crucial to, to explore South Africa. And I came to South Africa very blinded. I did not know anybody. Um, I, 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 I had no network whatsoever. You know, um, I, I had an idea of what business I want to do. And funnily enough, that's not even the business that I'm doing right now. You know, I've always been an entrepreneur. When I got here, I saw an opportunity um, I saw a gap in the market and I took advantage of that gap, you know, that was in the market. It's, it's been challenging years uh, and even worse, COVID-19 has also presented me with a whole new different learning experience when it comes to business. You know, because a yes. lot of the times we feel we are under the assumption that we know, you know, until we are faced with a different set of challenges, you know, and then we realize that there's always, every day is an opportunity to learn. Every day is an opportunity to grow one's self. You know, that the, the, the journey of learning, you know, learning is a journey, you know, it's not an end. It's, it's not an end in itself. It's a journey. You are continuously learning every single time, you know, and, 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 and that's where I, um, that's where I find myself right now. Sure. Let's take it back to your arrival at South Africa. Yeah. You mentioned briefly that Ankara and the fashion space wasn't what you had in mind. When you arrived, what did you have in mind? Let's take it from there and build up. Most, most definitely. I mean, Kofi, when I came here, um, when I came here, I started a technology company with a friend in, in, in Ghana. You know, and um, our technology company was basically we're building some niche products for the Christian community. So our whole idea was to uh, to be able to build products that are essential to to Christendom because um, Christianity okay. is still even within the audio space, for instance, I mean, churches were still circulating CDs. They are the big distributors of CDs. The cars that were being manufactured don't even have CD players in them, you know, so we were building proprietary technologies that enable um, Christian organizations disseminate the word. So we had a, program, a, a product in education. So we had built some part of the product before I even left Ghana. And my idea was to bring the product to South Africa and continue developing it, you know, and to be able to lobby some clients um, from here, you know, um, to use the product. Well, I got here, um, I had another business partner who was very interested, who also invested capital, you know, and, and th that's one of the things as well. Like I, I said earlier on, you like in advanced societies, you easily find people that are willing to bank capital or bank cash based purely on credibility. Do you get what I mean? Based purely yes, on your ideas that you have, you know, whereas in Ghana, it's more like you need to be able to prove some assets. Do you get what I mean? Or even yes. avail those assets as collateral, you know? So, yeah, so I got another partner. We started, but here's the thing. I mean, the technology was more like a long-term thing because the, there was still a lot of groundwork to do. 
So I remember getting here to, and my idea was just to visit South Africa and leave back again um, to Ghana briefly. So um, I, I was standing at the train station and I met this friend of mine, you know, who, who, who had been here for a long while, you know, and, and then he was speaking to me and he spoke about, um, about being able to assist me with certain things. Well, long and short of it was that he was a scam. You know, so I remember being in South Africa in my hotel and I was left with my last um, $500, you know, so I was left with my last $500 and I had a decision to make. So my decision was, do I continue to pay my hotel bill? Well, it's a long stay as B&B, so it's much cheaper, you know, um, do I continue to pay my hotel bill or I just pack and go back to Ghana because um, this other gentleman has um, swindled me of money? You know, and then I remember watching the summers. The summers is the South African Music Awards. And then on the red carpet of the summers was like African print after African print after African print. And then over here, like we have our black Twitter, you know, I mean, black Twitter was loud about it. Everybody was talking about these African prints that these celebrities were wearing and people were looking for, like trying to get those African prints and all of that. And I also went online, I googled African print, and the type of results that were coming were very appalling, you know, because basically it was just individuals who were doing things from the from, from, from the back of their boot, or, you know, it wasn't a formalized practice as it is in Ghana, like you have your GTPs, you have your ATLs, you have your Printex. No one had really fully fledged the African print um, into a business, you know, and I okay. saw I saw a real opportunity over there, you know, because I all my businesses that I have run in the past, I've run them professionally, you know. So I saw a real opportunity in there, and I saw how, I, I, for a start, how could I couple my knowledge in IT, in the IT space, in the technology space, you know, together with my my, my knowledge in fashion, you know, and business management and all of that, and, and build a real business out of this. So that's how the company Ankara Textiles, that's how it started. You know, and, and, and currently, as I speak to you, we have six, six, um, six branches in different provinces. You know, um, we have an iconic store in Cape Town on Long and Rebeck Street. We are here in, and it's the first of its kind actually ever, in Nelson Mandela Square. For anybody that has visited South Africa before, you know Nelson Mandela Square. You know Santon. Yes, I do. Yes, yes in Santon. Yeah. Yes, Santon is, is the pinnacle of of, of, of is Africa's richest square mile. That's what they call it, essentially. You know, and we the mall that I'm in particularly is Africa's richest retail space. You know, so, um, well, we, we have a store in there. We, we, we are sitting on at about 100 and, 187 square meters of space. Um, you know, yes. And, 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 and that's how it came about, you know. And like I said, it's a process. And a lot of entrepreneurs don't understand process because we obviously did not start with having all these six stores and we did not start the way that the identity that we are today is not what we began as you know but it's about it's been about consistency it's been about a lot of consultations applying the right business principles you know and 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 and, and researching more you know and, and and hiring the right people you know to run the business you know to be able to get us to where we are currently Ni, what really inspires you as a person? Well, 
that's a little hard to say, you know. I, 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 well, here's the thing. For me personally, as an individual, I don't know. I've always been bent on leaving a legacy, you know. So I'm very legacy driven. I'm very purpose driven, you know. And I think as black people or as Africans, this is a component that is very missing in our society, you know. Because if our leaders, for instance, even with the political environment in Ghana, if our leaders have been are driven by being are purpose driven, are driven by the concept of leaving legacies, you know, we would have much better societies than we have today. You know, so I'm very I'm a very legacy oriented person and I want the name Ni Paco Sylvester to be a household name, you know, to be a brand and a force um, to reckon with, you know, because I think it's not um I don't think it's, it's 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 sufficient to just pass through life and benefit from everything that life has to offer and not give anything back to life. You know, so for me, I think what motivates me the most and what keeps me going every day is to live a purpose-driven life, you know, and to to ensure that at whatever time in life I call it quits or even be a living legacy, you know, like still be alive and see my my the my the 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 um to see the the fruits of my hard work you know manifest while i'm even still alive and be a household name so for me that 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 essentially is what motivates me my guest today is Nick Paco Sylvester ni we find ourselves in this whole covid environment um yeah. and we are faced with this pandemic how has it affected your business and how have you kind of managed through this process? Kofi, uh, um, it's hard to even explain in words. You know, it's hard to explain in words. Um, this is the, the pandemic of this nature has never really um, hit the world. You know, I mean, if we are speaking of pandemics like the Spanish flu and all of that, those date many years back, you know, and um, the effects that is had on, on, on my business, it's, 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 it's literally, you know, it's, it's reflected based on the effects that the economy in itself is encountering, you know, um, for our business, we have a very, um, so for every business, there's, there's a component of your expense that we call fixed costs. You know, so yes. the businesses that are most affected by this are the businesses that have high fixed costs, costs that you can't let go of, you know, irrespective. Um, and some of those fixed costs associated with running our business certainly is rental. You know, I told you we are in Nelson Mandela Square. The rent there doesn't come cheap. You're talking somewhere in the region of about fifteen to $20,000 a month. You know, um, we, we are dealing with other rental spaces, which are the minimum rental space. You're looking at about five thousand dollars a month, you know. Um, so and, 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 and some of my employees, um, I mean, are really dependent on this work. And we've had to even support them, even though we are closed and we are not making revenue because South Africa has a very um, strict lockdown policy, you know, and um and we have the fixed cost of insurance. I know in Ghana, insurance is not compulsory, you know, for, 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 for the business. But you see, we are, we are dealing with a lot of stock here, you know, and we are dealing with a country where crime is also on the high, you know. So you want to make sure that you, have, you are insured as, pos as much as possible. So there's fixed insurance cost. I mean, my business insurance cost alone sits probably somewhere 
almost about $2,000 in the month. So if you calculate all these expenses, which you cannot like forego, you know, the unnecessary expenses that are associated with the business at the end of the day, you know, you have, you, you are, you are making expense that you don't have money for, you know, and, and our business has, has tried to avoid credit as much as possible. We've tried to avoid the borrowing market as much as possible. Our income is, um, we basically just cycle our capital, you know, to grow, grow that capital and cycle the capital. So while COVID-19 itself has proven that um, recycling capital in itself is not a very good strategy. That's why I said there's a lot of things that we've learned, you know, um, coming from an economic standpoint, you know, and, 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 and for us also, sometimes it's almost impossible to have huge reserves. I mean, we, this thing has been there for almost five to six months now, you know, and, yes. and, 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 and you cannot sustain a business with no revenue or very little revenue. I mean, our revenue points dropped to about 8%, you know, and we need, that's in gross. And for us to cover our expense, we need, we, we have a net profit of about 36, 36.7%. So in essence, we need to be somewhere to, just to break even, we need to be somewhere around 60%, right? You know, so to be making revenue of 6%, 4 to 6%, we're literally not even surviving. You know, so all we're just doing right now is trying to keep head above water. Um, South Africa has a very, very, I mean, the socioeconomic dynamics of this country is, is, is a little weird, but it's understandable, you know, because South Africa would definitely prioritize its citizens before foreign-owned businesses, you know, so um, it, it makes it a little more challenging, you know, but we are trying to survive um, the period. You know, and, and it also breeds a whole lot of legal cases here and there. I mean, um, some landlords get rental interdicts and you have to pay lawyers, you know. So you, it, it just presents a whole new challenge and a whole new learning experience more than anything else. You know, the great thing is we have a huge part of our business, which is also online. So we are able to service our international clients still, you know, who are, who are interested in purchasing um the product are there still other opportunities you've come across during this period um yes i mean i invested funnily enough just before the lockdown began or the pandemic began i invested in a courier company so i have other business interests so i invested in a, in buying a courier franchise a domestic courier franchise so i own a domestic courier franchise here and on top of that, I also built another um, product on that domestic career franchise. So, yes, um, we've been able to explore opportunities, you know, but businesses on the average take about a year to three years, you know, to fully begin to fledge any proper profit, you know, and prove sustainability forward. You know, yes, I know people do quick deals and quick turnovers here and there, but I'm not really about... I, I, for one, I'm not the individual who likes to, who's looking for a quick back. You know, like I said, for me, it's about legacies, you know, so it's more long term, it's more building sustainable things. So yes, COVID-19 presents a lot of opportunities, but a lot of those opportunities that are also presented are very temporal. You know, I see a lot of people rushing into doing face masks, hand sanitizers, you know, when that is not the core of their business or it's not something that they are really passionate about, but they are just trying to um you know get by 
you know, and that's good enough, you know, but we shouldn't, we must not also get distracted of what our core calling or our core business is. It's important, you see, in business, we have what, something we call the, a pivot, right? So um, yes. businesses pivot, pivot. But what we need to notice in, in the definition of pivot in itself, it's only a, a shift in strategy, but not a shift in the goal. The goal remains the same, but you only shift your strategy to readapt. Do you get what I mean? You know, so yes. for us at Ankara, it's been more shifting our strategy to readapt to the times, but the goal still remains the same and the core business still remains the same because COVID-19 is not permanent. As a matter of fact, we are much closer to the end than we are to the beginning. You know, Russia just um, a day ago launched its, um, approved its um, vaccine. Even, yes, yes, even though there's a whole lot of politics around it, but the fact of the matter, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I have my own political views about that because, Kofi, the fact of it is when we talk about medicine, when we talk about science, when we talk about pharma, Russia is a very big force to reckon with globally. It is, know? yes. Uh, America might be very loud, you know, and have all the FDA and whatever, but Russia, when it comes to medicine, even in Ghana, our big doctors, our big pharmacists, all studied in Russia. Russia you know? yeah. Yes, I mean, ex space exploration. Russia was, was ahead of everybody. You know, so Russia are not just... I mean, this is not just coming from a country like maybe Sri Lanka or something, a country that we don't have regard for. This is a, a vaccine coming from a country that um, has a track record in medicine, has a track record in... And, 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 and I share very different opinions with this whole COVID-19, you know, um, pandemic that's going on in our approach, you know, and obviously, Kofi, you, you work in the civil society sectors, you know, and I, I've also contributed to civil society um, for quite some time, you know, and the, the, the fact of the matter is um, this COVID-19 in itself shows how much our global health systems were never prepared, you know, exactly. upon all the investments that we've made, upon all the talk shops that we keep having, you know, it has not resulted as much, you know, and this calls for a reform in a lot of things, you know, it calls for a big reform in our way of doing things, you see, and I understand America's position when it comes to phase one, phase two, phase three, very important, you see, but you see those phase one, phase two, phase three in, 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 in building or, or developing a vaccine, those things never considered a pandemic of this magnitude. Do you get what I mean? Those things were, those, yes, those processes were built um, with, 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 with setting assumptions, but not with a magnitude, with, not with a, a, a pandemic of this magnitude that literally shuts down healthcare systems, a, a pandemic that shuts down economic systems. No, we, so we didn't. So I think it's it, what we have failed to do in this period, you know, and I'm, I'm not in any way pleased with organizations like the WHO and the likes, and I'm not trying to um, challenge them or anything, but I think our responsibility as humans, you know, and our responsibility as these organizations leading the world towards a vaccine, you know, or leading the world towards a cure of some sort should have been readaptation, you know, should have been um, speed, you know, speed should have been at the 
pivot, you know, sorry, I should have been at the pinnacle of, 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 of our work, you know, but we, we have failed when it even comes to that. And we are still talking of outdated procedures, outdated processes, you know, that, 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 that don't get a solution out of the door quickly enough, you know, and, 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 and businesses have to suffer, livelihoods have to suffer. I, 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 I certainly agree that we should not be in this position where we have to decide between lives and livelihoods, you know, but the concept of lives and livelihoods are intertwined, you know, and we must not forget, we must not forget that. I mean, I have people that are, and unfortunately, these political leaders or these leaders in, in, in positions in the WHO and all of that, I mean, they continue to get their salary. Um, and, and and for that matter, they are comfortable. You know, they continue to get all the allowances and whatever. You know, so they don't have to deal with the consequences of their poor decision making. Unfortunately, you see, and it's as entrepreneurs who have who began something with nothing. You know, that are hard hit by 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 a pandemic of 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 this nature. You know, and I'm hoping that I mean America has woken up. America. Um, is, is, is looking at Truis Modena vaccine. I mean, it's looking at obviously speeding up the processes. They've given us uh, some predictions for November. Like I said, Russia is already out there. Um, China even was ahead of Russia. But now China, what, what the, the, the media didn't tell us was that China has sent its vaccine to the UAE for independent testing in phase three, you know, because China in itself believed that phase two was enough but however, was trying to restrict itself from, um, from the criticism of, 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 of America and the criticism of the world. So now Dubai is handling a significant amount of its independent testing in phase three. You know, um, and, and, and yeah, I know I've, I've drifted to talk about um, health and, and, and pandemic and all of that, but these are global concerns and these are concerns that are going to affect our economy you know, and are going to affect even the concept of entrepreneurship. Because I know a lot of people have even started questioning themselves whether entrepreneurship is the path to go, you know, or job security. Even even with job security, it's questionable. You know, people don't are not very sure, you know, whether they would keep their jobs or... And it's even much harder for entrepreneurs because at the end of the day, um, you had a hustle that was bringing in money. You had people that you are responsible for, and then you also responsible for their dependence through what you give them, you know? So it's it's, it's certainly allowing us to rethink things differently, you know? And I'm hoping that this would be the restart that we needed in the world, you know? And for true, my belief certainly is this, Kofi, that real entrepreneurs are innovative, real entrepreneurs are resilient, you know? And real entrepreneurs will always come out even if we lose everything we will always come out of this strong better resourced you know in terms of intellect in terms of experience you know and be able be able to do it all over again you know those that were in there for a quick back that didn't even understand the concept of what goes into business though those are the people that are going to struggle exactly um let's look at your program Africapreneurship. Yeah. Can you please tell us about it? Yeah, I mean, Kofi, here's, here's the thing. I mean, I, I've seen in um, 
uh, and in Ghana, per- personally, and I'm sure you know this about me in the past, I'm I'm very uh, even though I'm I'm, I'm pursuing a, a a law degree now, I'm very I'm a little funny about our educational systems, you know, and 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 relevance to current times and all of that, you know, and I my my, my thing my, my my thing is this, I mean. Even in, 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 in Ghana, particularly, at a certain point in time, and I know it still currently exists, a lot of universities were springing out entrepreneurship programs. You know, a lot of institutions, like independent institutions, had the sole focus of entrepreneurship. You know, I mean, Gimpa has a big program on entrepreneurship. You know, and a lot of when you study even the course material, because I'm very open-minded, I, I don't need to be in the institution. I can just really research the course material or borrow it from a friend and see what the contents are. You know, And a lot of these programs are teaching us concept of entrepreneurship that are not even local. Do you get what I mean? That are not, yes. are, are not really relatable in a, an environment like Ghana. Like us, yeah. Exactly, you know, and the concept of entrepreneurship, I believe, in Africa is very different. I mean, yes, you can have a Mark Zuckerberg that comes up with the concept of Facebook, and I can guarantee you this. There's probably a lot of people in, in West Africa, programmers, that have developed something like Facebook even much earlier than Mark Zuckerberg. Do you get what I mean? But at the end of yes. the day, there's no, not the enabling environment to promote that innovation, you know? So... We are learning concepts that are meant for the West or concepts that are borrowed, you know, that are not really practical in an African, an African context, you know. And so my program, Africapreneurship, basically tries to make the concept of entrepreneurship African, you know. And, 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 and what I, I have focused on, and it's, it's mainly through a process of mentorship, you know, mentorship and then also sharing real life experiences and then lobbying people african entrepreneurs that have been successful to also share their stories because a lot of african entrepreneurs that have been successful are not sharing their stories you know and that's very unfortunate you know and we have a lot of scams over there you have a lot of scams go on youtube go on um what do you call it instagram and you see all these scams you see people saying that i started a a a a, a poultry farm with three feathers you know there was this um, <laughs> you know though, yes you know and there, there, there were all these jokes going around but these jokes are real you know you someone will go into a hardware store and then standing the shower and expensive shower and do like a youtube video or something and say that look at what i bought with my money look at my shower you know and 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 these are not real you know and i feel like it's important and a lot of entrepreneurs also another thing even with the true entrepreneurs is when we share our stories we are sharing the end product you know rather than the process you know, because exactly. we have a feeling that people don't want to hear the process. And I don't think it's about what they want to hear. You know, it's about what they have to hear. You know, because we are building an environment of and society of lazy people. You know, I hire I, I hire a 22-year-old, and that 22-year-old is looking at my... I, I'm, I, I will own the business. I'm driving maybe, yes, maybe a Mercedes-Benz, an expensive Mercedes-Benz. But this 22-year-old who I've hired is putting on his status a Lamborghini or a Rolls Royce. You, know? <laughs> you, 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 get, you get what I mean, you know? Exactly. Yes, people are not realistic in, in their expectations and their ambitions. So even in, like, for instance, an environment like South Africa, where 
in South Africa, if you want a Rolls Royce, it's not really difficult, I think. It's much more difficult in Ghana, but it's not difficult in South Africa because one, you can rent it. Two, if you don't want to rent it, if you just have a good credit score, the bank will be willing to give you the Rolls Royce and say pay monthly, you know, and then you find out that all your affordability will be squeezed. You know, so for me, Africapreneurship is really talking about entrepreneurship in an African context, you know, access to capital, being able to, um, to and not access to capital in, 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 a, in an European sense, you know, how you can regenerate even your capital. So, for instance, if you start your business with $500 or, um, sorry, I'm a little lost with the Ghanaian currency, how it works, but the Ghanaian currency, $500 will be what? Like how much in Ghana cities? So um, a dollar is now just about five cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, so like $500, you start your business with $500. How, how can you regenerate that $500? Do you get what I mean? That 500 becomes 700, 700, because that's what literally our mothers who have been the breadwinners of, 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 of our African society and have been the market women in Makola and uh, things like I mean, they've turned 500 to 700. That has always been the African economics. 700 has exactly. become 1,000. 1,000 has become 2,000. 2,000 has become 3,000. 3,000 has become 10,000. You know what I mean? And 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 that discipline to, to, to stay in there and not when our mothers, our mothers are, are running market trades and road, road run market trades in 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 makola some of them even managed to send their their children to school in harvard out of running that market trade in makola do you get what i mean because their priorities were the priorities were right you know and they focused on the most essential thing Um, she's selling in makola she won't go and buy a bentley you know she's selling in market makola maybe she'll buy a pickup truck or she'll buy a van that that will aid in the business and help to carry goods you know so it's it's it's, it's, it's that sort of thing, you know, it's that sort of tutoring, is that sort of mentoring, you know, that we are looking at. And I'm not interested in mentoring anybody who's looking for a quick back. I'm, I'm, as a matter of fact, as an individual, I am wired to be disgusted by that, you know, by, by someone who's looking for a quick back, you know, and that sort of thing. And, and, and with Ghana, when I, when I was leaving Ghana, one of the things that also really broke my heart is you see a lot of like... Um, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on the business program, but it's the truth of our society. I mean, you see a lot of young ladies, you know, looking for things much quicker. And then what do they have to do? They have to resort to 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 men, you know, for these things, giving out their bodies to men for these things. And some of these ladies are very intelligent, very brilliant, you know, who could put their, their, their thinking, you know, to create businesses. You know, you have a lot of these young guys who want things quick, so... Um, they're resulting to internet scam and internet fraud and and all of that, you know. Whereas I believe we need to begin to nature our society back again in the values of hard work, you know, and 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 and, and take away that idea that you can make it and you can make it quick. Sure, Ni, um, we are just about wrapping up, but sure. there are two quick questions. I cannot leave a conversation with Nick Papo without asking. No, absolutely. Um, the, first, the first one is this. A lot of my listeners are desirous of starting businesses. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but then there's the fear of the unknown. They don't have any idea about how to go about it. Yeah. Fine, you talked about the Africapreneurship Program, etc. 
But I want you to talk to these people. Talk to these people who are desirous of starting. Advise them on how to go about this. Okay, so um, basically with starting a business, it's, I feel like um, they are very crucial ingredients. And um, one of the most important ingredients is the idea, you know, so what it is exactly that you want to do, you know. And one of the big myths, um, Kofi, about entrepreneurship, um, and I, I, I say this confidently that it is a myth, you know, that people say, um, do what you love, you know, money would come later. And, and, and this is an unfortunate myth because, and, and we, we related to people like Mark Zuckerberg and, and, and Bill Gates and all of that. But, you know, the reality of it is this, this, this Zuckerberg um, scenarios and, and Jeff Bezos and all of that, they form a very small part of the population, you know. I think, yes, it's important to do something that you love. But most importantly, there must be a profit module behind it, you know. So there must be a profit module behind it because more particularly in environments like Ghana and Africa, you know, you can't start a business without having a profit module behind it. So it's very important to ask yourself the most important question. Yes, I have this great idea, but how am I going to make money off this great idea? You know, and is it sustainable? Is it scalable? You know, and based on those answers, you, you, you make a decision of whether you want to really go for it or not because there are some ideas that are meant for later and there are ideas that are meant for now and so it's very important to also prioritize you might have a whole lot of ideas but you're more passionate about some than others but however the ones that you're not passionate about are the ones that have a almost immediate chance of bringing in revenue you know so you have to think as a businessman and a businessman is a profit-minded person, except you are a social entrepreneur. And Kofi, is, Kofi might be the best tutor if you want to be a social entrepreneur, you know. But, but you know, if you want to be a, an entrepreneur that generates profit, you know, um, it's very important that your foremost um, concept of running a business is to make revenue, you know, at least to sustain the business's operation. And so, yes, and then you also, the next thing you need to look at is what is the most minimal way in which you can start this idea? So you might have a big idea, but it's very important to break that idea into, um, into achievable milestones, you know? So what can you do now to make that idea a reality, you know, or to get yourself closer to making that idea a reality? Or what is the most cost effective? What is it that you, you, you know, and most of the times, even this is, um, if you do, do management studies, this is basically piped into a model, some will call the minimum viable pro product, you know, or the minimum viable approach, you know, or so what is, what can you do immediately, you know, to make this a realization under the, under very, a very, very little cost as much as possible. And even in some cases, some will call it the proof of concept, you know, so you, your proof of concept phase, you know, because I also believe that once you are past the proof, proof of concept phase and proof of concept, don't go to people or investors asking them to fund your proof of concept. Find money and fund your own proof of concept because this proof of concept in itself, it's case for funding. You know what I mean? 
I mean, if you have been yes. able to do it and you have been able to succeed at a smaller scale, it means that you can prove that this can be done at a much bigger scale. So if on a smaller scale, you got a profit of, let's say, $10, it means that with a capital of, let's say, a capital of $100, you got a profit of $10. You know, it proves in percentage, which is 10%, what your um, your profits margins could be. So if it's a scalable concept, it means that if you have an investment of a thousand or you have an investment of two thousand dollars, then it means that you'll be getting um, two hundred dollars in profit. You know, or even much more because um, scale does not always necessarily mean at the same um, at the same rate. You know what I mean? Scale could obviously yes. grow much more marginally. You know than um, than it was. Um, previously you know so it's it's very important to look within yourself you know it's very important to minimum viable approach minimum viable product very very important you know because that even allows you to make a quick exit with no shame because if it doesn't succeed you put little resources in there you put little energy in there and you cannot afford to be emotional about business i tell a lot of people um, and i'll explain to you um kofi just quickly I mean, a lot of people are passionate about what they are doing. They are over passionate that they cannot even see their own flaws, you know, and it's very important to sometimes take emotion out of it. And which is why I say, look at it from a profit and loss mentality. If that business is not making you profit, does not have the potential to make you profit, like you're not seeing it anywhere in the foreseeable future, it's time to pack up and focus on something that will make you profit. Because you see, you can build emotion and love for anything. You see, as an entrepreneur, me personally, like I said, I've been through several sectors, several industries, and you find this about many other entrepreneurs. They've been through several industries. And these industries sometimes are, are just teach you the core principles. You know what I mean? You know, because as an entrepreneur, if your bank balance or your balance sheet or your profit and loss accounts look good, you will be a happy entrepreneur, you know? But if you have a product that you are passionate about and the balance sheet and the profit and loss accounts don't look good, you will be a very miserable entrepreneur. And then you begin to suffer depression. You begin to suffer all these other um, social ailments that, uh, you know, that, that may exist. So it's very important that your focus is on profitability. Thank you so much. Listeners, your focus should be on profitability. Yeah. It's always a joy to sit down with my brother and friend, Nick Papo Sylvester. Absolutely. And I believe you've all learned a lot from his journey, his successes, and his challenges. Ni, thank you so much for spending time with us on the Entrepreneur speaks podcast absolutely kofi I, I wish there was a lot more time but um, it's, it's always interesting how time flies when we are sharing interesting thoughts exactly exactly but there will be more of these in the coming in the coming days um listeners this brings us to the end of today's episode my guest once again has been ni Paco sylvester a Ghanaian who is running a successful business Ankara in South Africa. We'll come your way next week with another episode. This is your host, Kofi Animedu. Take care of yourself. 
go forth and excel. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>